Hey, Scott. Hey, Nick. Oh, what's up? Why do you look so down? I just... I can't believe Back to the Future Minute is over. Hey, it's okay, man. You got Spider-Man Minute. You got the Doctor's Companion. What more do you want? What? You want your favorite uh, scientist and little uh, little assistant? You want me to do Doc and Marty? <sighs> ah! Right? You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, who the hell put this on? It's on random. For God's sake. Look, it's not that I want to keep doing Back to the Future Minute forever. I'm just trying to say that I need something a little more. I want to get out there and do interesting stuff. Podcast a little. And I'd love to be able to do it with you, but I want you to want to do it too. I agree. We should get out there, but what can we do? How about a Cornetto? A Cornetto? Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. First, we'll start with a bite of Shaun of the Dead. Then, we'll take some shots of Hot Fuzz, and later, we'll wrap it all up with a couple of pints at the world's end. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! The Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we take car, go to Mums, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, and have a nice cold pint one minute at a time. It all blows over starting with Shaun of the Dead this October at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome to the Jane Silent Bob Minute. We're covering the movie Clerks, one minute at a time. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Chris Derkach. And today we're covering Minute 35 of Clerks, quite possibly the greatest egg minute ever. And we're joined once again from dueling genre, Scott Corelli. I'm back, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. We're going to spend a, a long, charming minute at the old quick stop. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet some new characters, some new friends. I said, uh... Clerks is basically a weird stage play with little vignettes where weird customers keep showing up. Like Dante yeah. is like our he's just like the captain of the ship and like one weird customer after another just keeps showing up to test his patience. I am uh, I'm actually I, I don't I don't understand what Kevin's deal is with like people have been asking for, you know, 30 years. To you know, or however long it's been, has it it's has been it been thirty yet? Twenty five or twenty three? Okay, I guess. yeah. I, well, so they've been asking for like tw- let's say twenty years for f- to let them you know do a stage production of Clerks, and he always says no. And I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the Breakfast Club on stage. Sure. Well, I believe he said that he couldn't do it in the States. He didn't have the rights to it. He needed it. I think it was 25 years had to go by. He couldn't get the – he could do it overseas, but he couldn't do it here. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Something about the rights that he didn't have. He couldn't do it here because they were going to do it in England, and then it fell through. Not – I think the production fell through, not his thing about it. He was talking about doing it as a musical. Oh, good lord. Clerks a musical. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, thank you. That's not that's no, not a good idea. Sound good oh, I mean, what would your songs be? I I mean, you're gonna have a. I'm not even supposed to yeah. sing here today. I mean, having said that, they did a Rocky musical, true. so I mean, yeah, and that went that went really well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it won awards, and it's I mean, it was out for like several months. They also did a Spider-Man musical. Yep. Yep. That also yeah. Well, that yeah, killed people. people. I mean, that went um, epically bad. That was so bad yeah. it's remembered for being how bad it was. <laughs> Well, the well, the well, the Rocky one closed after like six months, didn't it? Like it didn't. Yeah, I don't do think well it did well. well. I mean, I, I had its run, and yeah. I, I don't understand. 
The problem is, on Broadway, I don't understand how they judge success. Like, I guess, but they'll say a show will sell out, they'll run it for six months, and they'll be like, all right, it's done. What? Like, you're doing well. You've got good ticket sales. No, but we're going to shut it down and start something else. Okay? I mean, (laughs) are you not successful unless you're, like, Book of Mormon or Hamilton? Well, well, because well, but the thing about it is like it, they they do that they cut shows like showtimes so that the tickets will sell out. It's like a balancing act because they don't want to like do a show to like a half empty theater, so they'll they'll cut shows so that the shows that are available will sell out. Everyone will like sort of pour into those. So so while they are having sellout shows. They're not having like the normal like twelve shows a week or whatever. They're only having like six shows a week, and then they can't afford to like keep the lights on basically and pay the actors. So they close Broadway it. Insider here today. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I didn't get all this information when the two times I was able to you know you know drag myself up there <laughs> to go see. Yeah, well, it's like it, it, it's like it, it's kind of the same logic that the airlines uh, run on, you know. Where they where they where they overbook flights and you're like why would you do that? It's like because they always need to be sold yeah. out. Always. It's easier to drag you off the plane and get bad press for two months than it is to not have this plane be full. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. You so. know, yeah. It's it's a real struggle for us to get to Broadway. Me and Chris. I mean, it's a devastating two hour drive from here. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never been. <laughs> well, let's be honest. It's not the trip up there that's the problem. It's like how much is it again? <laughs> like what? True. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I can watch movies for the next like 15 years on what that is. Thank you. I'll I'll stay home. Right. Well, well, well. Pete from Star Wars Minute was just talking about how um, he lives in New York, right next to where Hamilton is, and it, it was easier for him to set up a movies by minute convention in Chicago and see it in Chicago while he's oh there God. than it is to see it in his backyard in <laughs> oh, Broadway. I, I <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, the only stuff I've ever seen up there, I either saw it the following year, like I saw spam a lot, but it was like the year after it came out. So you could actually get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing. What, what I'll normally catch the shows if we go is after they leave New York and they go to Philly and I'll go there. And then you don't have the original cast anymore, and I'm like, I, I don't care. I, it's like, I'm, I'm going to see right. it. You know, and At least I saw it. I can say something. Oh, I right. forgot to mention, this uh, minute begins with a man examining eggs and ends <laughs> with a man sticking an egg in his mouth. That's why this is the egg minute. Yeah, not, not the Broadway, the Broadway minute. minute as, now, I feel uh, like some other like much more qualified people should show. be doing that minute and not someone who has been to two shows over the course of uh, like 12 years. Yeah, and I definitely couldn't be your co-host because I've never been to a show. <laughs> what are we talking about? You did, uh, you did some, some work on your daughter's stage production. You built the sets. Yeah. This is true. You can give us this a behind. I, I, really do, um, I really do think though, I think that Kevin, like, even if he's not like remaking one of his movies on stage, I, I think he should direct a play at some point because I think it's his lost calling, to be honest. I think I think he would be so much happier like directing a play because it's all the stuff he likes the best without all the stuff yeah. that can baffles the, the him. The thing that I've always appreciated um, about him, and I know a lot of people don't like him or his style or whatever, uh-huh. I enjoy that he understands that he's not good at things. He's like, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. I'm not, I mean, he if anything, he might be overly critical of like, he's like, oh, I'm a terrible director. I'm the worst. I don't think he's terrible. He's limited. 
of what he can do, but at least he knows yeah. that. He said uh, mm-hmm. people ask him why he doesn't try to make superhero movies, and he says, "I can't do that. I like to watch yeah. him. I can't." Which, which, which that's not going to be true soon with all the all the superhero TV shows. He's, he's been directing Supergirl a lot, but if that. you've ever heard, yeah. you've heard him yeah. talk about it, he's like, yeah. "Yeah, I basically show up there and say, hey, I think this looks good." He's like. I mean, I understand. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's downplaying like, I, I himself, you know? I don't anticipate any time where they're like, we're going to hand over this $150 million Marvel movie to him. But I could see, I mean, if you have not no. a, a relatively low-budget, middle-of-the-road, listen, they're just, they're throwing superheroes out there like they're going out of style. At some point, there's got to be somebody in his mm-hmm. wheelhouse where you're like, yeah, we're willing to give this a shot. He's a name. Especially if you're being run right. by Marvel or Warner Brothers. They have such a machine behind those. Obviously, things go wrong with the director. They're very willing to step in and be like, um, "We're just gonna, we're gonna ask you to leave." I mean, either Star Wars oh, yeah. way where they fire them, or what happened with Edgar Wright, where like, you know, our we're not seeing eye to eye. Let's just that. I mean, that's a little right. more amicable of like, you know, we're just gonna step aside. You know, we're still friends, but we're gonna move along <laughs> more more so than like. But I mean, you get if you get, but if you get if you got like Kevin on to a movie and was like okay you have you know a great storyboard artist that you're working with you've got a great dp and we're gonna put you guys in a room and you're gonna prefabricate this entire movie before you go in so that on the day the technical crew can deal with making the movie look good and you just have to deal with performance i i think he would nail that i it's just that he doesn't i i don't i I guess no one just trusts like to do something like that for him and he doesn't like working with new people or at least he didn't for a long time he just worked with the same people because even his dp here you know he went on to go do stuff like homeland and everything so he's a good dp but with kevin smith he falls into like these bad habits like he he eventually learned what he was doing once he moved on from kevin smith but it's just like you know, Kevin Smith just likes his comfort zone and he doesn't like stepping out of it. And I think it's just now in the past, like, you know, I don't know, six, six or seven years since, <laughs> since he found weed again, uh, that, that he, he's starting to step out of yeah, his comfort well, I think zone. He, and he's also more willing to be like, I don't care if you don't like it. Like when he made his, his true North movies, the tusks and the yoga holders, think what you right. will of them, whether they're good, bad, horrible, whatever you may think of it, he doesn't care. He's just like, oh, if you like it, that's great. And he's like, right. people will come up to me like, oh, I hated yoga hosers. Well, you know, it wasn't for you. If you can have that kind of attitude right. as a director, that's helpful. Yeah. Also, it helps when your budget's only like $2 million. Sure. You're not losing anybody any money. And it's probably yeah. a little tougher to have that attitude if you lose the studio my, $50 my million. Problem, right, exactly. My, my problem with, with those movies is that I don't think they look like Kevin Smith movies, and that bothers me. Um, but – that's neither here nor there. Like I can, I can hear him in the voice of those movies. Like I watched those movies. I was like, Oh yeah, this absolutely came out of the brain of the guy who smokes pot and laughs on podcasts. Um, but it doesn't look like one of his movies at all. Um, and so that, that part of it bothers me a little bit, but that's, that's the only part that, because here's the thing, like, yeah, he makes fun of himself saying he's a bad director and he's a bad, like, visual director. And maybe that's technically true, but you know what? You can do a parody of a Kevin Smith movie and, and you can make it look like a Kevin Smith movie. And, you know, in the same way that you can make a parody of a Wes Anderson movie or of a Tarantino movie. Or, I said that, you know, yeah. I said that to PG somebody Anderson about, or whatever. that we were talking about him and other directors. I go, there's not a lot of directors where you're like, I'm going to shoot two minutes and I'm going to make it look like another, you know, I'm going to shoot it in the style of this director, Kevin Smith, Tarantino, 
and you're going to know who it is. Right. Like if I shoot two minutes and I shoot it like a Tarantino right. movie, you're going to know who it is. If I shoot two minutes like Hitchcock, yep. you're going to know who it is. There are some people where like I, you can shoot two minutes and you're like, I that could right. be anybody. But if I shoot two minutes like Kubrick, you, right. you know who it is. <laughs> like You're like, oh, okay, there's an empty hallway yeah. and a weird shot, tracking shot, and I'm a little frightened. This is a Stanley Kubrick movie. Right. It's like, oh, it's two people talking about a very mundane right. subject. <laughs> I may have fallen into a Kevin Smith hole here. Yeah. Yeah, and the camera's not <laughs> moving. All. It's just – Oh, it's just pointed a, at them I mean, like a play. Uh, I don't know which one of our poor guests is going to be part of it, but our it, how the Star Wars guys got stuck on that pod race for like two weeks. We don't have anything that bad, but at one point we're going to have like two and a half weeks of just Dante talking to Caitlin in a static shot. So <laughs> I don't know who drew that lucky straw, but <laughs> someone's going to oh, really man. get – they better come with something else to talk about. Well, we had a week and a half of him and Veronica just painting each other. Yeah, but they were talking nails. about really interesting things at least. Yeah. Like they were you know, talking about their sexual histories and stuff. That's fun <laughs> stuff to dive into. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically a what not to talk to your girlfriend about week. Yeah. All right. So – You know, isn't it did – you, did you guys bring up the fact that um, that scene is basically the precursor to Chasing oh, Amy? Well, I went on a whole tirade about – what you should and should not talk about with your significant other. Oh. You can just see them dig- digging in and digging in. Well, and Kevin admits it. Uh, I don't know. I think it's later on. He talks about it specifically with Chasing Amy, but even in this, that was something that bothered him in real life. He had a girlfriend right. that had a history, right. and I don't even think it was as crazy as some of these women have, <laughs> but it was enough to bother him, and it took him until he was much older to be like, wait a minute, why do I care? It takes right. – some people never get there and some people it takes a while to get there where you're like, wait a minute, I, I don't care. It doesn't affect me in any way. Like are you are you doing it now? <laughs> right. No, then why do I care? Right. But yeah, you can tell definitely that was something that was a, a recurring theme for him of women and their mm-hmm. pasts. <laughs> yeah. And men that play with eggs in the uh, convenience store. <laughs> yeah, OK. So this is this is just – this is just – I, I – where where is this even coming from? Like, wh- what? I assume they what? It ha- and you know, I I think about it every time I <laughs> shop for eggs. Every time, because because I always mix and match. I am always that guy. You're looking for the perfect I, dozen. I, well, no, 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 no. I well, well, I mean, I I am, but I'm mixing and matching. I'm not. I'm not doing what he what he's doing. That's the thing that bothers me about about this is that. She, she's like, I, I think, uh, is it, is it Dante that says, um, why doesn't he just mix and match? And she says, uh, you know, you got to have standards or whatever. Um, I, I, so, okay. So he's supposedly not mixing and matching. I'm looking at this scene. This guy's mixing and matching. I mean, what, what else is he doing? He's got, he's got four cartons of eggs open. There's eggs all over the floor. What do you mean he's looking for the perfect carton? That's not... If he found one bad egg, you should have just pushed that carton aside and moved to the next one, not dumped them right. all over the floor. You're exactly. right. <laughs> yeah, this guy's Unless mixing some sort of strange, like, Olympic trials that he's doing where <laughs> as long as that one container keeps winning, they stay in the they stay in it. But if they lose at any point, like, it doesn't roll the right way, he gets rid of them. Yeah, I don't, uh-huh. I don't even go that far with eggs. I open the carton up. If they're not broken, they're coming with me. Yeah, <laughs> That's me as too. far as it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming this, this is based is... on some. It's probably based on mix and matchers, and he just took it. He ratcheted it up like 15 degrees of like, how crazy could this be? Right. I, I, I mean, because like this guy, I mean, what happens when he does find the perfect dozen? Does he? He takes it home, and then does he? Does he? Well, eat them? I. 
Like, does he does he does he cook them? Because then he has to break well, it in. This is the Kobayashi Maru. This is the unwinnable scenario. He can never get <laughs> he can never get the yeah. perfect dozen. Or is he a hard boiled egg guy? And 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 he like he needs them to be perfect because it's like the one thing he looks forward to in his day every day. Well, well, apparently he has a very unfulfilling job, so that seems to be a problem. <laughs> no, he says it's Randall asks him why he doesn't mix a match, and Dante Dante says I asked him that, and he yelled at me. <laughs> I gotta be honest. The one, the thing I've seen most people go after is not eggs. I've seen people like this with bread, where they're touching mm-hmm. every single loaf of bread, I guess, to check to see mm-hmm. if it's not stale. And you want to be like, just mm-hmm. pick up some bread and take it. If it's not rock hard, you're fine. Just go. See, I kind of mm-hmm. understand because I've seen guys in these convenience stores open the bread, reach into the center, grab two slices of bread, pull them back out, tie it back up, and put it back on the shelf. So maybe they're looking for fingerprints <laughs> in this bread. But you're, <laughs> you're shopping for bread at a convenience store. you got to be looking for a certain level of quality at that point. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, the only the only thing I've ever seen anybody be like this with uh is produce. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's the only thing I've ever seen anyone act like this with is produce. Uh but that's, you know, you don't you don't go to a convenience store for produce. Honestly, you don't go to a convenience store for oh, no. eggs. No. But uh, but I think this guy I, I I assume this guy has been kicked out of every grocery store in town. Yeah, he he apparently he tried this at Food City, so that didn't go so well. Right? Was was it him that tried it at Food oh, City, it was, or was, it was there another others? guy? Because that's how they find out it's guidance counselor. Because yeah, yeah, we get our customer that comes in who has a striking resemblance to Kevin Smith because it's his sister. <laughs> that is his older sister Virginia, mm-hmm. who helped him get into directing because. She was one of the ones that actually encouraged him. She was. She yeah. basically said something as simple as, "Well, if you want to do something like that, then just do it." Like, did that ever occur to you? And that was all it took. Right. He just needed someone to tell him to do something, which apparently was not going to be his parents, because they were like, "Why would you do that? <laughs> why would you try?" Right. And everybody else, all his friends, he said they were all like, "Why? Why would you do that?" Uh, I have to admit, I know Walt Flanagan is not an actor by any means, but I really enjoy his performance as the Eggman. He does do pretty good as the Eggman. <laughs> I mean, I guess he, the whole point is for him to be over the top and crazy, but he certainly is handling it. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know who's coming up with these tests. If he's coming up with them on the fly, or if Kevin, Kevin is like feeding him ideas from off camera or what. But whatever, whatever, whatever the situation is, it, it works because I feel like I kind of understand his reasoning. I know the for one a that he said he's talking on the thing. He wanted he rubs one against his nipple. And that was his idea, <laughs> but it was always in the script for him to. And we don't get to it yet, but how he, the ultimate fate of the eggs was always in the script. The the napkin Boy, trick pulls it is away. the funniest. The, his dis- his disappointment whole... afterwards because that's the one where yeah, because <laughs> that that's the one that I don't understand at all, and that's why it makes me laugh every time. Because I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. What it, if it disappeared? Does that mean that it was a perfect egg? And if so. Like what? You like, lost what? it. Yeah, then you lost it. <laughs> yeah, you lost I, it. That yeah. one is. I, I can't even. You can't even make up a reason of like what was he expecting? Like when I remove this, all the blemishes will disappear from this egg. And it doesn't happen. It's his disappointment afterwards that I love. He just hangs his head. He's upset. <laughs> it didn't work. Whatever he wanted to happen didn't happen. Guidance counselor yeah. with a with a graying mullet. Which again, yeah. he's probably oh, what's boy. Walter at this point twenty. Five, six, because he's a little older than Kevin. So uh, he's trying. It looks like he's trying to pass for like a forty-year-old man. Right. Yeah. He was the, working uh, at the Y. Uh, what was at this it called? Point, right. 
there it wasn't the Y, it was the youth center, the oh god, I can't remember what it was called. It, it was basically oh, right. the Y, but like a local version of it. Because that's where he meets Kevin and doesn't talk to him for a year. Right. And then they bond over the Dark Knight. Right. <laughs> and now you can watch Walt uh, every year on Comic Book Men. I do is, believe they just got picked up for another season, mm-hmm. too. Yes, I think they did. This uh, this outfit, though, like this this costume and his his you know spray can gray hair or whatever, he just it just he looks like a community theater performer, and I just yeah, it does I look, find it really charming. I don't know, or or like the coat a kid, yeah, a kid right. would have to wear at like the senior play. Yeah, of like, well, this is the only suit jacket that we have, so right. this is what you're going to wear Absolutely. in Death of a Salesman because that's all we got. You know, it's a little too long, a little too baggy. <laughs> Basically yeah. looks like the suit that I wear. I do like the look over the top of the glasses with the cross <laughs> eyes too. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I also I, I love the focus. Like once he when he puts the egg in his mouth and then spits it out and catches it and he's just stare he's staring daggers at the egg in his yeah, hand. Did. And I it's really good. This whole egg thing is just ridiculous. it's Yeah, we he's earlier, really good Kevin at how has, ridiculous obviously, this is. Most of the actors hired for this were either a couple people out of New York and local theater actors. And Walt's a complete non-actor. He did so well picking actors in small roles and like putting people in that are not actors and either through their performance or his direction or some combination of both making it work. I mean, I've been praising Dante a lot during this, mm-hmm. saying that if Brian O'Halloran was another actor, if he stinks, this movie falls apart because so he has to do all the heavy lifting. He gets yeah. all the shit details of like everybody else gets to be crazy and wacky and have good lines. And he's mostly just standing there trying to keep it all together and being a whiny baby for most of it. But if he's no good, like it all falls apart. Yep. But then you get like every couple minutes a new crazy customer comes in and does something like this. Which to be honest, these are the roles you would want if you were in this movie. Like you don't want to be Dante. I mean maybe you want to be Randall or you want to be one of the crazy customers that shows up and you know starts putting eggs in their mouth. I, I, I mean I don't want to be Randall because well, yeah, who I, I wants mean, that kind of do that much acting. <laughs> so that's why I wouldn't want to be him. Yeah. Just just line memorization. Screw the yeah. acting. Just the line oh, yeah. memorization on its own. dialogue. Oh, and everybody so talks much. about it where they're like, uh the best was he yeah. doesn't he'll, he'll tell the story later when we get there. At some point he actually has to spit out a couple lines of his own dialogue and he can't do it. And all the actors in their scene are like, see, we told you like, you could write it, but you can't. It's like the old George Lucas line. You might be able to write it, but you can't say it. The difference is it's not because his is bad. It's just right. because his is very long, and he puts a lot of big words in it. And I, I've only called it on him a couple times, but mm-hmm. I do it in Tarantino movies sometimes, too. Of like Sometimes the language gets too flowery, and you're like, yeah, people don't talk that way. Yeah, you, you went a little too far this time. Nah, yeah, people right. don't say that. That's that's right. a little too clever. That's, that's one of, that's, he doesn't do it a lot. He does it yeah, occasionally. Right. He'll throw one in there where you're like, okay, you got a little... You got a little proud of yourself there. When you came up with the line, you're like, oh, this is good. I'm going to put this in right. there. <laughs> People are going to love this. All right. I don't think I have anything else on uh, this minute or the Eggman. Hey, Chris, you got anything? Nope. No, we're going to see a little more of the Eggman next next month. Uh, it's, so. yes, it's always fun to, to drop My in on Walt Flanagan and the Eggman. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is his second his second. Uh, yes, he, still, was, isn't it? Yeah, he, he was, was also the guy buying too. cigarettes when uh, the Chulies Gum guy was there. He's the one that right. buys them okay. after the Chulies Gum Guy leaves, and he's all covered in the uh, fire retardant. All right, so, Scott, why don't you tell the fine people where they can find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff, just at Scott Corelli. Uh, it's just my, my name. Um, and uh, you can, of course, find me and, and all of these other podcasts that we do at DuelingGenre.com. Uh, I have, out of outside of the Movies by Minute uh, stuff, I've got a Doctor Who podcast called The Doctor's Companion and an original audio drama uh, called Geek by Night, 
which was uh, in its in its original incarnation was very much inspired by uh, Clerks, and uh, it was it was basically uh, I you know I I pitched it to people as Clerks in a comic book store, so. Um, the original incarnation of the show. It's really nothing like that now, but we do have our very own sort of Randall character uh, in in Gibson, where he kind of talks to the customers however he wants and things like that. So it's there's still that inspiration uh, is still there. It's just been evolved a lot since that original incarnation when I was like 22 or something. Um, so uh, yeah, so Geek by Night. That's at uh, that's at duelinggenre.com as well, and and everything else we do over there. So. All right, that sounds excellent. Here's a fun fact: I have never seen an episode of Doctor Who. That's that's fine. Yeah. Well, until like I heard about it when I was in high school, which is now a long time ago. It's 20 years ago now. Back mm. then, nobody knew what it was. <laughs> right. I, I knew a girl <laughs> in high school who watched Doctor Who. And I'm like, what? Like, I again, like, there was just enough of it out there. Like, I knew it was a thing. So when this, I guess, was it maybe 15 years ago? When was it Eccleston? When he started to kind of, was right. it, he was the one, right? And then it started becoming more mainstream in the U.S. Where now, like, if you walked around with a Doctor Who shirt 20 years ago, people would have been, A, been like, I don't know what that means. Or B, be like, who's Doctor Who? Like, right. why is he named Doctor Who? <laughs> like, right. All right. Exactly. No, I, and then you're the one who's trying to nerd explain people. Oh, it's really his name. He's not. He's the doctor. He's not Doctor Who. And the, <laughs> like, you don't want to be in that conversation. Like, I know enough about it because just being in this, you know, the cultural zeitgeist, you just learn enough right. about it. Like, right. you know who Daleks are. And you know about it. it's bigger on the inside. I mean, you just, you just that you just absorb things like that. It's like if here's, you don't here's want- the funny thing though about the about the Doctor Doctor Who thing. So. I've been a fan of Doctor Who for so long and have watched so much of it and sort of gotten really involved in like classic Who and all of that that you go from you when you first start out you call it you call him Doctor Who because you don't know any better, right? Then as you go along you're like, "Oh, well, actually his name is the Doctor and you call him the Doctor and not Doctor Who." But then when you get deep enough you stop caring and you just start calling him Doctor Who again, <laughs> which is where I'm at. And anyone, anyone who has been a fan long enough, they no nobody cares. Like just whatever, it's Doctor yeah. Who. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the other way I heard him, they'll hear him describe is they'll just call him by the number. Oh well, he's the the twelfth Doctor, eleventh oh, sure. Doctor. It is called yeah. so just or just twelve. You know yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I, I refer to each individual one as just like the number. So like nine, you know, twelve, uh, whatever. Yeah, I yeah. assume the. The blank, uh, disapproving stare I get from uh, Whovians when I don't know anything about it is the same one I give them if they don't know anything about Star Wars or Star Trek. Sure, yeah. Where I'm like, ugh, you are a lesser person to me now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't want to do it, but you have to. (laughs) It's a reflex. Yeah, I try to wipe that look off my face. It's just, it's difficult. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't, the problem is with all the nerd culture out there today, you can't know all of it anymore. Yep. you got to have some holes in your armor. All right, so if you want to know about us, obviously go over to DuelingGenre.com. That's where we're at. Uh, you can also listen to The Burbs Minute, our finished podcast. Go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. And while you're there, click on Dueling Genre. Give all of them a five-star review. I mean, if you haven't listened to them, I can assure you they're five-star reviews. You should just <laughs> give them to them. Um, you can go over to Amazon.com. I wrote a book a few years ago called The Dawn of Mars, if you have – you know, three dollars to spend on Kindle. Uh, Chris, anything from your side? No, I'm good. Wonderful. Well done. All right, we're not even supposed to be here today. Just so-